The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. Wilbur Curtis gives you some of the best batch brewers around. They're so consistent. They're insane. You can program them. Your coffee's going to taste better than it ever has. And if you don't want to deal with that, guess what? It comes pre-programmed, so don't even worry about it. Also, this family-owned company has gone full solar, full green, full awesome. You know what that means? That means the sun comes down, they get the power, the power powers the plant where they create the brewers, and those brewers come out to us ready to go. Have you ever heard of a seraphim? Not just an angel, folks. No, folks. That is a tasty, tasty brewer for by-the-cup coffee. Even the coffee nerds can get a nice little shower head, program that thing. You heard of the clover? This is the new new. Seraphim, angel, ring down, happy coffee. Everything is coming together for you If you hit up Wilbur Curtis And my friend Brent Curtis Who I've seen, who has kids Have seen, of course I've seen him He's a great guy, he helps us out all the time Takes his kids to Disneyland, we have the best time as well This family owned company Treats people right They do a great job They're becoming the premier place To get your coffee equipment For batch brewing Do it to it And if you need a water boiler Guess what? They have that too. Okay, bye bye. Busted. <laughs> Just a little too long. All right, welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is the holiday edition. We're popping LaCroix, or as it's really called, LaCroix, but come on now. We're not even going to get into that. LaCroix. LaCroix sounds so much better, dude. We're in the roastery a couple days before Christmas. Got all the holiday orders out. Praise the Lord. We Roasted busy. a ton of coffee. The cafe is popping. Thanks to all Santa Cruz area for coming in. That's been fun. We heart you. If you haven't yet, there's still time to vote for us in the 2016 Spredgy Awards. Going over to spredge.com slash vote and uh, do that there. Holler at your dogs right there. Yeah, we need you and we love you. Best coffee podcast. Best new cafe. Best coffee video film for my YouTube channel. Let's do this. Let's do this, you guys. Let's go for a three-peat, huh, friends? Three-peat. Friends. Three-Z. I also got to take a second to just shout out our staff because our staff is full of like Maybe three to four people total who have really worked in coffee ever in their lives, and then six to eight who have never worked in coffee. And I got to tell you, for a company that's been open for under three months, holy crap, I'm very impressed with our team, and I'm very proud of them. So that's my shout-out to them. If you listen, guys, wow. 13 ballers on staff is basically what we got. (laughs) 13 ballers and three weirdo owner. 13 ballers and three crazy mofos. Yeah, that's us. (laughs) That is us. What are we doing today, Chris? Are we going to do like a Q&A maybe? I think we're going to do a Q&A. Shout out to Alex, who organized all the Q&A. Also, one of our staff. we just found a little technical error. If you wrote us a question on the contact form on the website, for some reason, our um, little server has been putting those into spam. Yeah, not all of them, but not some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. So we just found a bunch of stuff in this. Alex found a bunch of stuff in the spam folder. So we got ourselves a tech guy. Got a tech guy now. He's highly technical. He creates barcodes. Oh my God! UPC Universal Product Code. Oh, so we signed up. That. Also, shout out to Pullman Tampers who sent us tampers with a box of Tim Tams in them. Oh, there's some Tim Tams in Tim there. Tim Tams are uh, the, um, I think it's the national food of Australia. It's all they eat are Tim Tams. Well, they taste interesting. I've never had one, but I ate one. The box, ba- I just open it and it's just like one left. That's because Alex is crushing. He's them. going hard on yeah. the Tim Tam. Alex is hard in the paint, dude. 
Let's just jump into some. Let's ask some questions. Jump into some Q and A. This one's questions. from Joel. J Bone. Joel says, "Hi, Cat and Cloud. Would love to hear your perspective on what seems to be the standard cafe tipping model. In most other industries, tips are given after the final product or service is delivered. Hotel bellhop, taxi, sit-down restaurants, etc. However, in coffee and some fast food places, a tip is suggested at the point of purchase, when your only interaction at this point has been standing in line and placing an order." It's almost like you're being asked to tip based on a prediction that your entire experience from POP to finishing your drink will be awesome. How do you guys think about this in your business? Thanks for all you do, Joel. Um, I mean, I think that's actually a good question. I don't... So, like, I haven't thought about it in that way, per se, because I think about bartending and I've, all, I've grown up in coffee. But I would say that we actually start the experience the minute you walk in the door so that's one part of it it's like the experience actually doesn't start at the point of payment where whatever point where the order goes in as he was suggesting um at some cafes though you might not have an interaction until you get to that register and in my opinion those cafes are drastically missing an opportunity um but it is an interesting concept to to consider like why don't we tip at the end um Here's a, another thing. Unless you're tipping on a credit card, you always could tip at the end because what's stopping you? That's um, true. I used to do that, actually. Yeah. I used I, to tip after I would go pay, get coffee. This was in like the beginnings, beginnings right. of specialty coffee when I would go to these places and it was like a whole different experience than what I would get every day. So I think I remember the first time I went to uh, Ritual when they first opened, I had my cappuccino, my espresso, and right. I came back and like dropped a fiver in there because i was like so amped or whatever right but yeah the credit card payment kind of sidebars the ability to tip at the end you would need a tipping station for customers who pay with credit card which i guess you could do but it seems just kind of over the top i mean if i was just to break down how i would feel walking in so like the tip isn't required right i mean for me i end up tipping a lot of the time unless the service is pretty rough and that's just because I do. But let's let's be honest. Like, if you're thinking about this to yourself, you're going to, I think, know pretty quickly before you even get to your register transaction if you feel like it's worth tipping. Uh, the person who at least is on the register should be earning some sort of status as, as how well they're doing at their job even before the drink comes out. So, I mean, you know, Worst case scenario, you're tipping the person who's giving you good service for their service, unless you're the type of person who compartmentalizes like quality of drink versus quality of service versus, you know, I I don't know who you are, but I look at it. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are, dude. Where did you come from? (laughs) Where do you go? Anyway, I mean, I just. Well, the other thing that makes this different than a restaurant experience is that a good percentage of your cafe customers are daily repeat customers and they're also leaving so well and it's also like so like peter comes in the morning gets his coffee with his milk right he can tip when he's at the register he's been here before and he knows what his day-to-day experience is going to be like so before he even comes in he actually knows what he's going to get right quality drink wise and customer service wise so he can feel pretty confident that like okay if i leave two bucks at the register I'm not going to come get some like shitty coffee. Like it's going to be just as good as it was yesterday, if not better. Whereas restaurants are more one-offs where like you don't go out to the same restaurant for dinner every night. You don't actually know what to expect. And I guess if you wanted to put them in the same box, I bet you if you did go to the same restaurant every single night, you would find certain people that 
if you knew they were on staff that night, you would tip more versus others because you would find yourself like something going on and us trying to do an awesome job. Hopefully everybody deserves that tip. But I'm just thinking to myself, like totally objectively, if I went to a restaurant every night, I'd probably find like a couple servers that crushed it and want to tip them more than others. But restaurants usually don't have like in general that insane training. The best servers are the ones who are naturally really good at serving and like try really hard. Anyway, unless that's you're like, a really ripper unless you, Well, yeah, then you go to Michelin star restaurants and r- tips are included anyway, right? With your whole meal. And that's not even a thing. Hey, there's the mustache guy. Yeah, dude. Mustache guy. Yeah, We're sitting in our roastery deuce, looking, through the, uh, looking through the window watching one of my uh, leadership in training gals, Kristen Hudson, eat with her husband, Sam Hudson. That's had, a L-I-T, leadership in training, yeah, a.k.a. Lit, lit Squad. We're lit. Anyway, Tylen has the next question. Tylen? T-Y-L-O-N. Tylenol. It's like Tylenol without the all. Tylen nice, says... Dude. Hey again. Oh, I'm really sorry, Chris. Are you, you oh, you scrolled me out. Thailand Peck. Thailand. I've been making my own cold brew for a little over a year now, and I want to step up my game. Cold brew was my first experience with specialty coffee, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But now that I've learned more about proper extraction, I'm wondering how that works with cold brew. Do you have any advice about proper extraction or know of any resources I could look into? Much appreciated. Thailand. Go, Chris. <laughs> Toss me the cold brew. No, okay. Here's no, the no, deal. No, that's fine. No, I mean, I'm gonna tell. I'll I'll get my two cents out of the way. Okay. I hate cold brew, and I will not jump into it very much because <laughs> I I just personally don't like it. You can hate me forever. I like flash brewing my coffee, and <sighs> and then yeah, I flash brew a concentrate, and I make it cold, and I think it tastes better. But I never have liked it, and I've tried to make myself like it, and it's never worked. So that's where I'm at. Sorry, dog. All the same brewing factors apply to cold brew so you've got your grind or particle size you've got your brew time and then a major component you you know you got your coffee to water ratio obviously and then usually you've got water temperature so all of like these things like you know the finer your grind the more easily you're going to be extracting stuff the hotter the water the more easily you're going to be extracting stuff you know, the more agitation you have, the more extraction you're going to have. So in cold brew, you basically have no heat in the water aiding in extraction. So you're just stuck with manipulating the other variables. But nothing really changes. That's why you see cold brew that has these really, really long brew times. Because you're still managing that particle size, coffee to water ratio, temperature, agitation, etc., etc., etc. If you really want to go hard... Like super, super hard. I mean, the the short answer is taste and adjust. Play with different brew times. Play with different grind settings. Again, we don't really cold brew. We do hot brew and then put it over ice because we like that. Hot brow. If you want to go nuts, go get yourself a refractometer, and you can start refracting. That might be over the top, especially since they keep going up and up in price. VST, what the hell are you doing, dude? I don't know. Nine hundred dollars. I know you can make one for cheaper because you used to, and you're probably like making it better but i'm just gonna call you out right now dude baristas are broke make a 400 refractometer please make a 200 make a 200 refractometer yeah dude what are you doing over there you're like <laughs> that's a lot of money for it, somebody who makes a minimum or rate. someone else make a refractometer please because i've just had it up to here i have it and you could see in tv land he is pissed i i'm flush red you can tell by the tone of his voice he's angry i'm angry <laughs> <laughs> you're pissed off i'm, I'm in, in the, the zone, zone. Wait, I wanted there was one that was like really good. 
somebody wrote out in and they had like a full on they wanted to write us in. It was about roasting. And I feel like it was a really good one. So I think maybe we didn't get it. Maybe it's not on the spreadsheet. I'm going to find it. Find it in your find it in your email. I might have deleted it, Chris. I might have deleted it. It was so good because I think it's worth talking about. I think it's really important for the industry to talk about these things. We just stepped up our game with a new uh, podcast. iOS. Data, <laughs> podcast database. Our database is like so hardcore right now. So much data. Dude. We're talking we? Star Trek data. Fire off another question while we're should waiting we just, on my Should we jump potential. into K here? Yeah, education. K. It's your time, dude. K and Santa Bribra. Jared and Chris, hope you've both been well. Stoked to follow your progress with the shop and cool to have Jared stop by State Street this morning. I did. That was cool. I've been catching up with the podcast a lot and thinking about some things you've mentioned, but would also like to hear you expand on some things. It's so weird to read uh, emails from people you know. It is you weird. You know what I mean? Because I know him. Okay. I know you. Your business and mine share similar service philosophies as far as reaching out, calling line, expediting ordering, and receiving drinks with different barista positions. However, I feel like this style of coffee service is not common in most shops, with many shops doing the wait in line and order at the register, others doing order with the barista, pay at the register. Without delving too much into the minutia, how would you describe different styles of customer workflow in different shops? Is it down to the layout of the shop, how many employees are scheduled, or are certain cafes more accustomed to the traditional waiting and ordering, and thus customers are accepting how things are done? Shifting gears. I was curious on how you try to teach customer service in the sense of this is what i can do for a guest that goes above and beyond taking their money and giving them coffee things like table service refilling beverages checking in etc it's become fun for me to try and find ways to surprise guests in that regard but besides leading by example how do you suggest creating an atmosphere where employees do play host and not just coffee machine button pushers last little question any plans to restock the big steps in time for christmas can't wait to visit shop just right off the bat big steps just came in Two days before Christmas. Yeah, they actually got held up in customs for some weird reason. So they were in the nothing for a while. So they'll be up in a few days. So not in time for Christmas, but, you know, New Year's. That'll be cool. We have them, though. We have them. Jared's looking in the box right now. Man. There's like a billion of them. We also have some of the uh, Pullman redistribution chisels. Sick chis. Also, get y'all's girl. Okay, I got to say that I'm stoked that you're looking to impress guests with service and you're trying to be creative in doing so. Um I think that there is an unlimited potential for customer service and innovation. But I think the challenge for most people is that they're trying to implement it and integrate it into an already working system, which takes time and it takes a team effort. You are an awesome person, but you cannot do it by yourself. And there's nothing wrong with you for not being able to make it work company-wide. You can indefinitely influence your immediate squad, but if it's not a, if something isn't changed company-wide or it's not an actual, and I don't want to say company value because that makes it sound worse than it is, but you, you're going to have a lot harder of a time unless it's integrated from the top down and in all stores. And that's just because it is. But to say that, and then to just talk about you and your individual store, you could come up with some game plans about things that you and your team do. And that's going to require you. And if there's a manager there for you to work with, it's going to require you and that group of one or two people to be really intense about it and just start with a couple things and say, we're going to do these all the time and remind your staff over and over and over that it's a requirement. It's an expectation. And it's kind of a black and white thing. Like this is just what we do. 
And it can't be something that your staff is like, I just don't like feel like it. Cause feelings aren't really feelings. They shouldn't be matter. in play. They do matter, <laughs> but feelings should not be in play with things that are um, maybe black and white. And so there's something I'm going to tangent a little bit, but it's, it's kind of going along the lines just cause I'm here at this. We're, we're going through something like that here when we're building our company, right? So there's, there's a million things to do. And as we continue to refine our structure and our processes and our standards, we're adding things to this group of people. And this refers back to kind of the beginning question. We have like a pretty specific four buckets that we put our service delivery model into. And it's been working amazingly. But now we're trying to like iron out the creases and really just ice out the edges and make it perfect. And so what that's doing is it's making us be hyper-specific on standards and so on and so forth. And what I've had to do is pull the team out because they feel like all of a sudden there's a little more, there's a little more straightforward coaching for myself and my leadership team where it's like it feels a little more hyper-intense. Hyper it feels like slightly nitpicky in comparison to the first two months. And what I've been doing is I'm like, hey, guys, what I'm trying to do is take things that can be literally, yes, I do this and no, I don't do this and put them in a place where you don't have to have emotions involved, where it's just like, this is a job requirement of you. You cannot be mad or feel anything towards me holding you accountable for a job requirement because I've expected you to do that and I've told you how to do that. And if you have a feeling towards it, it ultimately probably comes from either me not delivering it well enough so that you understand it or you just not doing a good job. So I'm trying my best to get that all out of the way so that it's just like, this is how we operate. Are you doing it? Yes or no. If you're not, why aren't you doing it? And then we can move past so, so, so many things that I've seen in every single place I've ever worked at become kind of an issue because people are important and we love them and we get close to them. And then we try to grow and then we feel guilty holding somebody accountable to the job that they're actually required to do. And then feelings actually take priority over ability and over execution and over standards. And that sucks, but that's also a reality. And it's something to like work through and it's really hard. So don't get me wrong. I'm just lucky to have a company that's new and it just be, it is our standard. It is our expectation. And that's where we're at. So that's kind of my answer to you in a very long winded response. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, okay. Just take, see the things that you want to see. Like, think about things that you want to see. Create a standard around those, and just teach those along with everything else. You it, know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's as simple as if you serve an espresso, you serve it with a spoon and a saucer, right? With the cup of espresso. Would you ever put the espresso just on the counter with no saucer and no spoon? No, you wouldn't. So, on the same token, if you teach a reach out when someone like walks in the cafe and everybody, you know, you say hi to them, you acknowledge their presence. And it's like the same, and you don't do that. It's the same as that standard of not having the saucer with the espresso or to take it like one step further. And this is going to sound totally fucking ridiculous, but it's the same thing. It's like when we sell coffee to wholesale customers, we roast it, we cool it off and we put it in bags. What if we didn't put it in a fucking bag? Like what if I sent them a box of coffee and it's like, oh, you ordered 10 pounds of coffee. Here's 10 pounds of coffee in a box. Like, no, because the standard is you put it in a bag. Right. So it's like if your standard is you bring people water to their tables, you just set that standard, enforce that standard, teach people what it looks like. Okay, this is how you do it. And then it just becomes part of what you do. Right. Like, we talked about this last episode to where like, and you said this already, so I'm just repackaging no, it. it. But it's like 
these things have to be built into your training models. They're not extracurricular. Right. It's not like we do coffee and then here's some stuff on the side right. that we might do. Now it's I have it's to like water. all in tandem. It works as a, a unit. Right. To all craft the experience. And beyond that, if it's ever a job expectation and it's a standard and you feel people or hear people say something to the like, I don't get paid enough to do that. You need to fire them as soon as possible <laughs> because that's just like part of your that you need to protect what you believe in in your work and your job and your life. So there's that. And bro, do it. Get them to fill water. Say, hey, go to everybody's table who's been sitting there and ask them if they need water. See if they can see if they can just get consistent at it. And if that's the only thing you do for a month and all of a sudden it becomes the thing that your store does that's maybe better than the other stores, the other stores will be like, dude, that's really cool. Or some guests will say, this store is the best store. And maybe that's the way for you to start implementing change somewhere in your life. Everybody, not just K. They're going to say K is the sexiest man. Like, K, dude, how do you come up with all of those sweet single origin cocktail lattes? <laughs> cocktails. <laughs> to cocktails? To cocktails is probably better than. Anyway, K asked another part of a question, but K, I think I gave you too much airtime already, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. How's the shaft? Here feel? you go, K. How about this? Just. You should text us. I think we talked about workflow before. Okay, you should also come up. Yeah, building your cafe for workflow is definitely a huge part of it. It's it's called being intentional. Not even trying to be a dick, but it is. It's also being intentional, right? Yeah. Like I you mean, have to know what you want to get out of your workflow before you build your cafe, or like in the process, and then set it up so that you can execute that. Right, and then I mean, which everybody oh, tries to do. Oh, I just hate it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Grumpy son of a bitch over here. All right, really though, like, I mean, Kay's talking about our workflow. Our workflow, in essence, if you drew it out on a map, it doesn't look that much different than a lot of other people's workflow. It's like you wait in line, you pay at the register, you pick up your drink, you leave. But it's what you do within that framework, how you approach the line as it's waiting. It's not just people sitting in line right. to acknowledge when they come in the door. There's multiple touch points. You take their order, hopefully, a lot of times before they get to the register. Yep. If you're the barista and you know the people in line, you're making their drink while they're in line because, you know, eight out of ten people get the same thing every day. Right. You can also call the line as a barista. So the line's not really a line. It's more of just like this fake thing that you stand in while someone's already actually making your drink already. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever you want out of service, you're going to adjust your your build out and slash right. workflow for well okay so just to it's hard to look at without going case by case basis there's so many different styles of service well yeah we fit the service we needed to our cafe but we also said okay we can't have people waiting in line more than x amount of time we set our own standard there and that's why we have two registers and a line busting system which is not even a line busting system all that is is a mobile register that takes credit cards only so we have the ability to take three different groups orders at the exact same time if needed and we do other things like add portafilters and make sure that there's always two clean portafilters ready to go and that you're always pulling out and cleaning portafilters when you're pulling shots. And we have volumetric machines and volumetric dosing. We have so many things that add or actually take away and shave moments that add our ability to focus on guests. And all that focusing on guests adds to positive feelings. And those positive feelings add to return customers. And that's even not talking at all about the quality of all of our products, which is high. So anyway, so there you have a lot it. of air time. Okay. You heard, you heard it here first. You heard it here again, probably for the 60th time. Jared's got a special question. It's not a question. Actually, it's a long one that I think is going to be worth us talking about. And it may end up closing. Jared's out the podcast. got a long one. 
So I'm going to leave the person blank because I understand that I wouldn't maybe want my name attached to this. Um, I was listening to your Roasting Approach podcast, and I felt I needed to respond to you directly. The reason roasters don't like to share information about the craft is because it helps other roasters in a competitive environment. If you are a barista or a business owner, this may be something that you might never consider or pass it off as ineptitude or embarrassment for lack of knowledge or skill. It would advance the craft if knowledge was shared, but we are not living in a utopia. Any advantage you have over the competition could mean the difference between paying rent and living on the street. I've been roasting 13 years and have only been able to make a decent living doing so for the last two. In the 90s and early 2000s, roasters could make a living wage in, a co in coffee because there weren't many people doing it and because more value was placed on their skill set. The creation of Roasters Guild, supported by roaster manufacturers and green coffee importers to promote their industry, is in parentheses there, caused a large influx of roaster operators to flood the workforce. During the specialty coffee boom of 2004 to 7, many roaster operators went into roasting making salaries of minimum wage or just above. Some hired illegals below minimum wage. Since competition was so fierce, there was no incentive to share information with those you could potentially be competing for jobs with. Additionally, there was no incentive for a skilled roaster to train new roaster operators in the Roasters Guild as it would just introduce more competition and lower wages further. Finally, roasting coffee well is something that takes years to master. The craft is not something that can be simply synopsized on a web forum, especially due to the fact that every roasting machine has different heat characteristics and methods of control. The knowledge and experience we have is valuable and will not be given to others for free, apart from the knowledge I pass to my son so he'll be able to take advantage in the workforce too. Big statement. That's a, that's a pretty... Thanks for writing that in. I totally disagree with most of what you say. Yeah, I mean, it's a but good thing to write in. And there, it, well, let's bring... Oh, gosh. I well, I want to first say... Go. I empathize with you because I think a lot of this comes from potential hurt, frustration, and things that are maybe not true to... They're like real feelings and real things that happened to you that made you feel a way, but they're simply and this is where we all disagree, not true to application. And so I'll say that. And it is cool that you wrote in. And that's why I'm not going to say your name because I know you're probably listening. And I know you went through real stuff. But Chris is going to take over and then I'll talk more. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you're, you're so good with the feelings. You're so well, good. Well, it's true. I mean, this is coming from a place where like somebody actually got felt like they got screwed. Whether they, I got things to say about maybe why you're screwed. Right. Which so have to do with their own faults, most likely. Some. This person seems like they've been roasting coffee for a really, really, really long time. And uh, how do you break this down? How do you start? There's the part of the problem is, is that when people are making a purchase and when people are buying into your business, they're not just buying your coffee and they're not just buying your coffee quality. Exactly. They're not only purchasing your ability to roast, they're purchasing a total package. They're buying something partially because of quality, partially because of the way it makes them feel some sort of brand association, partially because of like the values of the business that are behind that thing. There's so many options to buy into. And this is true across most industries, you know, ones that are doing well and maybe some that aren't that customers have like a lot of this choice. I, I don't know what a good analogy is. And maybe it's like 
an automobile manufacturer. It's not like one automobile manufacturer like really has like more car technology than another one. Exactly. It's like if you're a customer, a consumer of these things, you're buying it because this one seems to fit you best. This one's packaged the best. This one just makes me feel good. So I think a lot of the struggles that a lot of roasters who fall into this category are having are not directly related to roaster skill. And or I think, knowledge. Or knowledge. And I think they could share or not share information, and it wouldn't actually impact their brands or the market I would a whole lot. fully agree. You I feel like this person's issue most likely falls on either their delivery model and what it or what it feels like to i mean it's most likely their honestly their delivery model or like a reflection of how it feels to to work with them or it's a very very small town and they haven't found a way to connect which is not necessarily a delivery model but maybe it's like doing the research and maybe moving beyond yourself and what you want and finding a way to to like bridge a gap in a new place you know there's like there's some things that happen but you're not barely making it only because like it's it's just period hard like there's there's other things it's like you're in a bad location or your customer like you, all you care about is coffee roasting and maybe your customer service is actually terrible or the people that are doing your customer service is not there i don't know your issue but there's there's many things to consider besides sharing knowledge and keeping all this quality to yourself is the only way to survive like i just can't get behind that there's no chance there's two coffee companies that have amazing quality service and coffee within four blocks from each other and we're both very busy very very busy and i'm right next to verve coffee and they're right next to us and they're awesome and we're awesome and we are both very busy yeah it's a it's it's a really interesting question and it's just, or a statement. It's a statement. It's, yeah, it's a statement. It, it's like really hard to tackle. It, it just depends on, you know, if you don't want to share your information, that's totally cool. Everyone's got different goals. Like part of our goal is to share information. Like just not just for purely sharing information, but we think that the specialty coffee market is far from saturated. Personally, I think Statistically, there is, it's far from saturated. There is so much room in the market to grow and like for us as like a small new, you know, roaster. Okay. If you go to the statistics, I was looking at this cause we're doing these lectures for the SCAA right. and, um, Ugh, at expo. So Jared's doing one on customer service and I'm doing one on converting consumers to specialty and looking at the coffee market. So some initial research by the SCAA states that 51% of all coffee consumption in the U S is specialty coffee. That's a pretty high number. Even being 51%, that's still pretty low. And I would bet that a big chunk of that 51% is not really what like people like us would consider specialty. No, it's like Pete's and Starbucks. So it's, yeah, yeah and a bunch of other and stuff. Others. So if you're coming into specialty and especially coffees are 80 point and above coffees, it'd be interesting to look and see what percentage of that are like 80 to 84, 80 to 83 right. versus 85 like plus. 85 plus yeah. getting into the coffees that we would want to buy. Right. You know, so... I feel like, you know, that's like a that 51% is a bigger number. I don't know what the actual number is, but I'm doing some research on it. But I think it's pretty low. Market's far from saturated. So, 
there's potential there. And like, I want to drink better coffee everywhere I go. Yeah. And if we can, through this podcast and whatever videos or just whatever knowledge drops we have, training people, if we can elevate the whole game. So when I go to some weird shop in the middle of America that I can get like really awesome coffee, I think that would be the coolest thing to go to totally. where I don't want to diss like a town because I don't know these towns, but if I, I went to like the middle of Nebraska and right. like I went down the street and I felt pretty confident that I could find like a specialty coffee shop that right. made a nice cappuccino and or did like a really house. nice brewed coffee. Totally. I think that would be so cool. And I think that hoarding information and like preventing that from happening, that's not our game. This well, here's another thing. Ethereal Jer or whatever. Mystic wannabe Jer. Mystic Jer. No. Okay. So here's the thing. When... When you encounter people who project a mindset like this, they can like you and you can still get a weird off-putting vibe on the side. Like you can even have like a pretty good relationship and like the person and still feel this energy, like this energy of like, I won't share it with you. I'm always in competition with you. That's something I've had in the past that I like, I work on, but I would imagine that every person who comes into or comes around this this person in their shop is going to feel this like this feeling of everybody's trying to get over on me in some way, shape or form or like I'm about to lose everything in some way, shape or form. And that actually, I think, negatively hurts like the energy surrounding your entire establishment all around. And you don't even have to be working there because everybody who comes in contact with you is going to pick that up and project it themselves unless they fully are not behind your vision. And then that's also an issue too. So like you're starting with this, this equation for negativity and this equation that I think is going to actually lead to a harder business life versus check it out. We're going to tell you everything. And you don't have to agree with it or not, but guess what you do do? You trust where we're coming from and you trust that I'm not feeding you a load of crap and worst case scenario, that's, that's it. You just trust us and it's okay. And you know that we're good people. Best case scenario, you get on board with us and you see what we're doing and why we think it's important and you agree. And then all of a sudden we've got a whole new culture going. So I, I don't know. I just see these things happening and it kind of sucks because I've seen companies just remain mediocre for life that I think could have been excellent versus the kind of companies that I think will be excellent by like letting a lot of that stuff go. But I honestly, all that's just conjecture. I, don't, I haven't been able to prove it and see any of this stuff through yet. I just think we're going to. I believe, bro. No, I, I, I feel for this person because business is hard. Right. You know, and they're they've obviously had a. Something happened. Something happened. Right. Something's bad. It's not as simple. It's like when you're in a bad relationship and you've, you know, PTSD. PTSD. You had like a really tough, traumatic time. And then, like, because your experiences kind of shape your reality, unless you can like force yourself over that hump and be like, okay, maybe there's a different way. Right. But I don't know. So I, um, as much as it would be nice to just rant forever, I don't want to go off the rails because this person's obviously having like, or tricky, had or had right. maybe they're doing awesome i have no last two clue. years they've been paid well it's that on the that's thing. great so that's good that's that's awesome yeah. okay yeah that's that's totally but i don't want to be like you know belittle the hard times that they went no. through to get there and it's like you know hard times are hard times hard times are hard times yeah definitely had some of those so <laughs> <laughs> that's 
super cool. That. <laughs> Which I didn't hear that, but I heard that. Cool. But yeah, I mean, if that's not your bag, you totally don't have to share any of your information. But I don't know. You may. Uh, well, I guess. I don't, last I don't thing. Wanna... What happens if you if you never share information and you're not approachable? How are you going to learn? Like, are you? That's the thing. Like, I I see somebody who is like. And this literally could just be me a bit too hyperjudgmental. But if you're unwilling to share information, that means you're unwilling to gather information or trust anybody else's information to be better than your own. And it almost just feels like this like hyper pride awareness thing where it's like, I'm the best there is. That's probably not the truth, but that's like something that comes with that at times. And it makes me think like, okay, well, if I was to ever be like that, I would never leave open the door for like personal growth or professional growth or quality growth. And I'm like, that's lame. Cause I always want, there's somebody who's going to make me better somewhere. And it could be like my intro staff person that I hire in the next three months. They could make me better at my job somehow. And if I'm not open to that, I'm missing out on the opportunity to be the best possible me or with best possible products, best possible, whatever. So that's why I, I like have this interesting passion where I want to like go off on this. Again, I don't have an answer. I just feel like it's like a missed opportunity, and now I'm just fully misjudging. Yeah, there's just too many things at play. There's there's just so many things at play. It's, it's just an like, interesting topic. Yeah, I think about like a cooking show. Mm-hmm. If you're like in, uh, if you're an epic chef, let's say you're David Kinch. Let's say you're Emerald Lagasse. Let's say you're Emerald Lagasse. <laughs> Bam. You know, or whoever. I don't know. So. Yeah. Let's Kinch say you're him. David Kinch because he's local and like yeah. he was on Iron Chef, right? He's also very good. Yeah, he's also very good. He's got he got the cabbage three episode, Michelin stars sure. now. He's got the Bywater, whatever. If he has a cooking show where he's showing off his cooking techniques, is he in danger of someone building a restaurant that's gonna like outdo his? Is he in danger of putting Manresa out of business? No. Probably if not. you take someone like Emerald, who's like maybe Emerald's a cornball or whatever, but he's got a bunch of restaurants that make a bunch of money. Right. He's got cooking shows going on all the time. He's sharing recipes. Is that going to put him out of business? Hell no, because there's so much more right. to what he's doing than just like, you know what I mean? And for sure. This person's right about all roasters are different. They're all a little That's unique. True. They all tell their things. So, you know, I can tell you all of this stuff. I could. I could put all of our curves on the internet and not be afraid of like how it would negatively affect the business that we're building here at right. Cloud. It's just not even a thing. Totally. Anyway, I don't know. Dude, pull up one more question. You want one more, dude? Great. Yeah, let's do one more. You want to go one more? It's just such an interesting topic and people are, you know, we're ranting. Yeah, we're at 37. One more question. Shout out to Dune Coffee Roasters for sending us this Christmas card and some uh, coffee. So think about that I think for it's a ra- second. I think it's Arabica. Oh, is it Arabica? It's Cafe Arabica. Is it 100% Arabica? It's a Arabica. Mm, oh, I'm trying to find like a really... I just like these names. Kyle, Mervo, Joe, Merlo, Mervo, Merlo. Together forever and ever, you guys. Oh, no, I don't want to do that one. forever with you. There's literally... And don't you know I would be so heaven many. enough to be together forever with you. Hey, Marissa. Okay. You think you could do a song? You want to do a song for our podcast? You want to sing a song on our podcast? Give me something. Uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Woohoo! That was That was one of our employees. Dude, you know, you crushed it. I think you nailed it. She's wearing a ho 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 shirt. It's Christmassy or holiday if you're super angry at me for saying Christmas. Really? 
and we're having a good time. <laughs> and we're having a good time. She did Jingle Bells. Let's just, I don't know. I'm just going to pick one at random. Thank you for everything you guys do. I love the podcast. I love Chris's YouTube channel. Thank you. I love the coffee in the shop. Everything this team does is straight fire right now, dog. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Was that written in? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's three A, four A's, two, three W's, four G's. I have a few questions for you guys. What is the night shift coffee you mentioned on the podcast? What is the truth? Will these coffees be offered online in the near future? You guys mentioned creating interesting international intentional blends in an earlier podcast. Is a new blend in the works? There's been a lot of talk about podcasts about optimizing espresso and why you shouldn't stray from the optimized zone. Is this the same case for home brewers doing pour overs? Chris seems to be optimized at 1 to 17. Does this brew ratio work with every coffee? Chris brews at home with, let's say, Kalita Wave. Would you be able to recommend when buying a one to two cup pour over? Oh, he's asking which Kalita would be better. 155 versus 185. I'm trying to make five, six ounce pour overs. Debating buying one to two cup would be worth it. Thanks for all you do. Okay, let's get into it. First of all, I do all pour unders now. That's Jared a lie. pours it under. He lets it drips and let it rise. You get it? Nope. Me neither. Me neither. Uh, the night shift is our dark roast. It's deep. It's, it's currently right now, it's a single origin Colombian coffee from Wila, and we go pretty dark with it. It's not like second crack oily dark, but it's darker than everything else that we do. By a lot. By like a decent margin. I also played with some even darker roasts of it lately. Oh, really snap, fun. you guys. Night Shift, if you like uh, cream in your coffee or cream and sugar kind of thing. Or bulletproof coffee. Or bulletproof coffee. You should try the night shift because it goes real well with the cream and the sweet. Uh, interesting and intentional blends. Is a new blend in the works? Not necessarily. Oh, well, kind of all the time, though, yeah. with the oh, truth, yeah, with right? The truth, yeah. yeah. Blending two questions together. That's the truth. <laughs> so the, the truth is basically the label under which we can experiment and do whatever Jared and I think is like the most banging shit ever on earth. So in the cafe... It functions kind of like a single origin espresso in that it like occupies the second grinder for espresso, and we generally serve it as the straight shot when someone orders an espresso. True. But it is not confined to the single origin realm. So right now, it's two different coffees. It might be three different coffees at some point. It might be a single origin coffee at some point. And that is just... Because why pigeonhole yourself to a SO? Like, I, I, dude, the blends are kind of where it's at. So for, good. <laughs> for these espressos. Like, <laughs> I love single origin espresso, but dude, the complexity that you can get with the blends and then roasting them, like a lot of people roast single origin espressos. Suave. Suave. The That's... shot I had today was straight Richter. Thanks for that, Jer. I did that one. Really did that for sick my friend. Pull. <laughs> I got a couple sick pulls all at the same time. Got a couple sick pulls in. So, yeah, the truth is like the evolving thing. So you can kind of check in on that. It also brews really well. It does. You know, it does It does the double duty. Nice it's, coffee. To put it in like normal terms, it's definitely roasted lighter than our answer, which is our milk-based like right. do everything blend. Let's put it into pre-normal terms. It's a city. City plus. City plus. <laughs> <laughs> How many cities? City Plus. Ain't no problem in the South Town City. <laughs> city. Take me down to El Paradise City. City. Plus. Bye, Marissa. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, Happy ho, holidays. Marissa. Staff's it's just cruising out, you guys. I'm not stressing it either. Her shirt actually says. Crushed it this morning. Ho, ho, ho on it. Different um, colors, different letters. To talk about brew ratios, I was 1 to 17 for a while, but I'm kind of like 1 to 16-ing right now. I, 
I go all over the place. It depends on the roast level of your coffee. So it depends on like the solubility and consistency of your coffee. So if you got maybe, you know, a super light roasted coffee from whoever'sville and then like a really dark roasted coffee, you might want to do different brew ratios. So it's not as easy as like always use a one to 17 or always use the one to 16. I would say, Normal range is going to be between 1 to 15 and 1 to 17. And in that realm, you can adjust to taste depending on what you want. Sick that sounds good for you. Yeah, it sounds about right. If you're going over 1 to 17, your coffee's probably going to be a little bit more watery than you want it to be, at least for us. Right. Over 1 to 17 would just be like too, too much. I also just struggle with absolutes. So it's like I right. hate the idea of putting them out there. We have semi-absolutes at our cafe, and we can't even set them. We want to be hyper specific, but we still give a small window for everything we do because right. of a number of reasons. So that's that one to fifteen to yeah, one to seventeen. That's a, that's and then a, if, you like go, a nice if you go window. under, if you go under one to fifteen, your, your coffee's probably going to be really thick, like real chewy. We're talking chocolate pudding, but it's like coffee. Big chief, <laughs> big chief, the best. <laughs> chaw. I got some <laughs> sick big chief up in here. Who's got the chaw? I can gut this whole cup, dog. <laughs> I can fix it. <laughs> I can gut it. <laughs> My dad's got a primo set of tools. Which, which brewer should he get for his couple cups? Dude, you should get the small one. If you're just going to do five to six ounces, you should get the tiny one. You should get the 155. Bad yeah, news, dog. you can't make like two cups with that, but it sounds like you're making five to six ounce pour overs. I think you want a little bit deeper bed depth. I don't think you want that big spread out bed of the, the bigger one. I love the idea of staying gold, though. I love how you finished it like that. So I'm going to do that as best I can moving into the holiday season. Stay gold, dude. Should we go one more? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, or are we over it, dude? I mean, we're at 45 minutes. We oh, can do whatever we want. Minutes? I yeah. guess we can do whatever we want. I mean, we did it. We talked about stuff. We did talk we about sang stuff. Sang songs. It's just, I don't even. I don't really have any crazy rants right now. I think next week we're going to do like a crazy combo podcast. That'll be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. We've got some nice. Eric Cacciatore. Cacciatore freaking that'll be fun we just scheduled it in he's a food guy shout out to chris deferio i think he connected us on twitter chris deferio is a great guy aka defurious defurious needs to get more love and attention AKA these days defast and defurious oh, de too fast too defurious what is going on do you want to get into it in here no i don't but i do you i don't, don't want to you're so it's curious a, i'm confused i'm curious because they're asking about like cups and stuff dude, let's just do it, all right fine dude Trubaka, my questions are the bomb. You got to read them on the podcast. You oh. dig? Or at least hit me with the answers when you have time. Cups and drink sizes. Three-part question and a bonus. This is from Michael, dude. Oh, Michael, dude. He's been writing in all kinds of stuff. Is dude. his name Mitch Dog? I think side? he ordered like 18,000 things. Well, One, what size and ounces do you prefer for caps? Six. Flat whites and or cortados. Six for flat whites. Six for cap whites. <laughs> Six for caps and flat whites and my Cortado. Why do I hate the name Cortado so much? Because it's a stupid-ass name. It oh, man. Dumb. Seriously, I, I don't know what it is, but every time I hear the term Cortado. Cortado and sort of Gibraltar also, I literally get angry and I don't know why. Can I have a Cortado? You can go fuck yourself. That's <laughs> kind of how it feels. <laughs> I'm like, what does it mean? Okay, anyways, um, so Cortados, yeah, four I'm listening four, to your podcast. Seems like you dial in whatever makes the coffee taste the best. So would your yield change based on coffee and what would the drink ratio sizes? No. Competition caps between five or six ounces. They have a single. Yes. Okay. The comp caps definitely have a single. Now it's a milk drink, so it doesn't have to be a cap necessarily. Um, so here's the thing. We make espresso the way that it tastes good. 
I'm just amped, dude. I'm not trying to sound like a jerk right now. I just get all fired up. Dude, I love ratios. So you have espresso, right? It is a beverage. For us, the one that goes in the milk beverages is going to be the answer. We pull it the same regardless of the beverage that it's going into. And the only differentiating aspect is the amount of milk. So for us, you know, we got a macchiato. And then we don't have a Gibraltar or Cortado. We have a little cup that Sean White a.k.a. at Flat White on Instagram made for us. It is a four and a half ounce ceramic cup. We call it a makeout. So makeout is four and a half ounces espresso and steamed milk. Our Flat White is just under seven ounces. It's like 6.95. Same espresso, steamed milk to the top. Cappuccino, six ounces. Latte goes up. And it's not about adjusting the espresso. Here's the thing. They all taste amazing. They it also just taste how they taste. How much milk you want in them? Like right. if you want your drink to be milkier, you would get a latte. Guess what? If you want your drink to be milkier than any of our drinks, just bring in a bigger cup. We'll fill it up, dude. Have yourself a forty. If you want your drink to be stronger, you go smaller in the size of the cup. There so you go. I don't think you need to adjust your pull ratio. There are some things that I don't like. Like you know, sometimes if you get. Um, I prefer the, well, I'm not even going to say that. Sometimes really light roasted coffees for me don't taste good in small volumes of milk. So anyway. Two, how did you decide on what cup size you wanted? And did the shape design play more of a deciding factor? Maybe rather serve in a cool AF cup <laughs> and deal with the size constraints, constri constri constrictions. Um, we started with size and went from there. So with the cappuccino, we knew we wanted a six ounce. So we sourced a six ounce, which ended up being the Acme six ounce cup, um, which we loved. We also part of it was colors as well. The colors were awesome. Yeah. yeah. We want, we Same want. thing with the latte. We knew we yep. wanted a 12 ounce latte, which they had awesome colors and awesome. I like the shape of them, too. They're I like, like them, too. They're nice and bold out. They're not mm -hmm. like straight walled or like weirdly tubular or right. anything like that. Um, with espresso, we went with not neutral. Because not because we generally like the cup, but because they were the only manufacturer we could find that had like a big enough cup to handle like a double, that and was to handle a macchiato, and to handle a macchiato. Well, yeah. So at the same time, we didn't want different cups for both. They say they're th they're three ounces, but I think they might even be a little bit bigger. We should probably like weigh three point two. I think yeah. we're really close, but I, nobody makes a three ounce cup out somebody there. Somebody make so. a bigger cup. Like Acme, I love your cups, but that two point three ounce like. Little tiny Demi is not doing you any favors. Make a bigger cup. It's true. The shots these days aren't all small. Yeah. So if you're pulling hyper ristretto, you get away with it. But And then for the special cups like the flat white and the makeout and even our mugs, we knew we wanted something kind of custom because Gibraltar cups are just ridiculous. Like It reminds me of like shopping at the super ghetto food store and you see like this rack of Libby cups in the back of the store that all come in a case and they're no. like generic glass and it's like I just don't like drinking coffee out of glass yeah it reminds me of every time I used to go shopping at like cash and carry which is like just like the food distribution store where you get it in bulk for cheap for your restaurant and it's like anyway I don't know why yeah, yeah. same thing it just same thing as Cortado there's certain things that just frustrate me and I don't have a reason but that's why I have a business so me and my friend Chris <laughs> do it different over here. Three. If you had a machine, home machine, what cups would you want for caps, lattes, and shots? I would have a bunch of different cups. That's kind of the cool thing about having a home machine. Is like I have a cup collection, so I like all these different cups. 
But generally, cap like five to six ounces, all different shapes. I really like tulip-shaped cups when I'm at home. Yeah, those are cool. I don't know. They're, I like a lot of different cups. Home people, just do what feels good at home. Don't 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 put yourself into this box of like what the industry thinks is cool. Please don't. Just be be you. You're gonna actually make our industry better if you ever break into it. Instead of just like trying to confine yourself to whatever you think so and so who's famous in our industry likes or whatever. Bonus question. What yield in grams or ounces do you prefer for your caps? Well, so if we're talking the answer, our extraction yield is around 30 to 33 out, but that's not just for caps. It's for everything. Like if you have a shot of espresso of the answer, it's pulled like that and it tastes awesome. And they put it in milk and it tastes awesome. Right. You want the optimized sweet spot. Optimize. Yeah. You need to optimize the coffee and then add things to it. I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think my favorite caps are, though, honestly, in the days when it's hitting like 31 grams to 32 grams in its sweet spot. Right. Um, a little smaller. Barely. And I think it's just slightly more concentrated. It's like a little more caramely, maybe. Yeah. Or like a little more like um, bottom heavy. Yeah. It's like the. Yeah, exactly. More depth. More There's base. Like less acidity in the whole drink and more just like. Because I'm all about just that base. No trouble on that, that one. No trouble. I'm all about it's just that base. Juice. About that base. All juicy. It's <laughs> all so about good. that base. About that base. Keep it. it short. Look at that. This pump. Anyway, this has know, been that's there. The, that's, the, that's the Cat and Cloud Coffee podcast. You sons of beeps. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yes, yeah, the podcast. Good. Mm. That's the holiday edition podcast. Mm. We rolled hard for we you did. guys. Hey. We're in the roastery. We're just doing it. It's wet outside. Have it's raining. A merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Yeah. Hang a shining star above. Oh, above we're going to hold it. That's tight. Have your a merry little Christmas, bitch. Light.